This is the Headbangers Almanac. Welcome to the Headbangers Almanac. My name is Will. I am not joined by my fellow metalheaded from across the pond. Rap is out solving the fourth riddle of steel in Marburg. So I want to bring it back a little bit. Uh, we had a pretty, uh, it was a, it was a weird episode in episode three. It wasn't weird. It was a, it was a nice reason to pivot. So, uh, I want to go into that. Uh, that's what I'm going to spend this podcast pretty much uh, explaining why we're pivoting, I guess. And not not for the negative, right? I mean, we're still doing what we're going to do. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be uh, just a slightly different angle, if that makes sense. So when I conceptualized the Headbangers Out Almanac, I imagined I would review every album in a metal archive starting with my birth year in 1982, and then I would generate playlists based on what I thought was essential. Now, the more I thought about it, the more I realized this was too big a project to pretty much do alone uh, and no matter how objective I would try to be my preferences would start to be apparent and there's simply too much metal for one man and I I, I notice like I gravitate towards certain styles of metal and I don't want to ostracize the people who don't like those types of metal or I don't want to show a favoritism towards that side of metal because I realize that there are many different spectrums of that and uh, we want to celebrate all of it. So that's why I wanted a second party is to basically facilitate another angle at what we're looking at and possibly bring another viewpoint into uh what we're talking about there so i reached out to the offbeats it's a content creator discord community pitching my idea and i raised some eyebrows but essentially three people showed any real interest in being a co-host uh one of which being raf now i knew of raf um like he would show up to like events and in passing uh i learned that he was german he brewed mead and uh ran an underground metal label uh raf child records and based on this i set up a call with him first like and i feel bad for not really giving the other people a shot but this is like it's like when you write a role for a certain actor in mine and then like that actor says oh i'm fucking interested in your project and stuff and you're like oh yeah let's just do that then and it just worked out so um not like i i don't think this project would have died if raf had not taken the opportunity but the fact that he jumped at it was just everything was coming up headbangers seriously like this whole project just <laughs> it took off just because like the person who i thought it would appeal to bit you know what i mean he was obviously on board with the concept. He just mentioned that we should probably start in 1980 so we would pick up some essential albums, which I agreed. I mean, you get Iron Maiden's uh, debut and you get uh, Judas Priest's British Steel. That's exactly what he said. Those were the two albums that he cited. Hey, if we hit 1980, we get these two albums. And I'm like, yes, fucking yes, dude. 
but he also noted that his schedule was going to be shit for like the next month or so because he had a couple of festivals. One that he was going to, one that he was running, which is why we're hearing me now like this, right? Uh, and then, you know, he's got to go on tour with another band, right? The problem with running a record label is you have other shit to do, and you can't spend all your time recording a shitty little podcast on Spotify and stuff like that, which I understand. So, tells me his schedule's going to be shit, and uh, I'm fine with that. You know, that, that we'll work around it. We did manage to record an episode, and the audio was unusable. Not, like, snobbly, like, unusable, like, oh, there's, like, I hear pitchiness, and it's not perfect, like fucking unusable by the way like my my range or i'm sorry uh oh because <laughs> we recorded both of our voices on the same track and there was no way to uh compress and normalize it enough to where we can get us both in sync and there was also volume issues on his side so we just scrapped that audio all together just completely scrapped it and then we ended up having to record two episodes because now raf is going out to keep it true so we had to we had to can a, a, an episode to air while he was out on keep it true um so we record two episodes and i don't know i fell ass backwards into a halfway decent mix of the first episode i'm not trying to toot my own horn but i think i did halfway decent the second episode and i don't know why maybe i just mailed it in but basically i forgot to compress the audio first before normalizing the audio and so, like, I don't know if you can tell, but when I talk, like, my peaks are real high, but then when I go to normal talking voice, it's real low, and it did not stay uh, together with Raph, because I just completely forgot to compress, so... Like, yeah, I'll peak, and I'll be in line with Raph, and it looks all good. But then when I start normally talking, I'm significantly lower than him. And I have a complex, like at least some some Napoleon complex, where it's my show. I have to be as loud, if not louder, than the, than the co-host. And that's only moderately tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> but basically, I was unhappy with the mix. And I'm like, to this day, like right now, I'm like, I'm seething, uh, thinking in my reptilian brain that I need to remix episode two and put it out there and the fans would appreciate it more. All, all 23 of you are going to appreciate it more when I get that remix out where I sound at a equal level with the co-host. I don't know why, but that's just how I'm wired. Uh, so there it is, man. So eventually... I'm probably going to release a not-so-cheeky remastered edition of Episode 2, but until that time, you're kind of stuck with this. So then we move on to Episode 3, right? April 1980, and this is a big fucking month uh, for us to hit, especially in our podcast. This is what we've been selling for. We're like, deal with the intro, deal with the first five albums uh, of 1980. Now we're going to hit the big month. This is the month that literally convinced me to move back the Almanac two years. That's how big this month is. Um, you've got fucking British Steel. You've got Iron Maiden, you've got a huge singer change in Black Sabbath, right? And we're fucking slaying. We're talking about all the shit, and we're hitting... It It feels like such a great album, like a, a great episode. I Album. I don't know why I was saying album. Sounds like such a great episode, 
until we get to slay uh to sabbath right black sabbath releases heaven and hell and they have a new singer ronnie james dio ozzy osbourne who was the singer for the last eight fucking albums was fired uh for being a worse drunk than the rest of the band which typically happens around that day and age and he also wasn't putting much effort into the band right so they decided to get rid of him and it's at that point that sharon yes that sharon his fucking wife uh future wife decides they're gonna pull ronnie james dio from the band rainbow right why does sharon's opinion matter well she's the daughter of the manager of black sabbath so basically you have uh, I can't remember his name, but Sharon's dad, right? He's calling all the shots and Sharon's like, nah, 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 you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I believe that manager has, uh, stakes in Ozzy. He wants Ozzy to succeed at that point. But Sharon's like, look, if we're going to cultivate this band for Ozzy to come back eventually when he gets his fucking head straight, let's put in this Dio guy, right? And, uh, and, and that'll hold us over until we can find out what's going on with this Ozzy person. Because I believe at that point they were invested in Ozzy Osbourne as a person, right? Um, and that's the beauty of an almanac. I don't have to be a hundred percent correct, but you get the gist of it, right? And you understand what's going on. And that's the point of an almanac. Uh, we give you an idea. We give you a rough idea of how it was or how it's going to be. And then, and then, yeah, we might be a little wrong, but the entertainment value is there. At least I hope, we hope it is, right? So Sharon brings in. Ronnie James Dio, and he's from this band called Rainbow. And it's at that point in the episode that I I let it be known to Raph. Yo, Raph, I'm not really that familiar with Dio. And not only am I not familiar with Dio, I'm not familiar with Rainbow at all. Like, haven't heard them. Because 70s metal, spoilers, before my time. So I don't I don't listen to that. My brother listened to that, maybe, and uh, and I miss it. And so if he wasn't exposed to those bands or whatever, I'm not exposed to those bands. So, and there's not enough drive in me financially or mentally to really go back to those times. And I'm saying that as a, as a teenager back in the 80s or 90s or whatever, I'm sorry, I was a 90s kid. You know, there's not really that drive to go back. So I largely don't know who Rainbow is. I know who Dio is, and I know that he should be praised. Um, But I, I don't know why, right? So I let that known. And Raph stops cold fucking turkey. And he goes, dude, you need to fucking listen to Rainbow and see how all this shit comes about. Now, uh, it, it's something like that. But basically, he's calling me out for not knowing shit that we're talking about for the stream. Now, that's a lot of shit to absorb when you're going five albums at a time. And, and, and there's an inside joke. When we talked about doing the podcast, I said, look, I can honestly absorb five albums a week based on my time and stuff like that and i really want to understand the album before i start talking about it that whole thing and now i'm thinking like newcomers coming into metal like i don't want to overwhelm those guys because then eventually they'll just tap out and they'll be like i don't want to listen to all this shit you know yada yada such and such and i do very much represent the newcomer coming to metal because i missed out on a lot of shit in my childhood and my adolescence 
And it's now only becoming an adult and going back that we really get to explore a lot of those things that we missed. Uh, because now finances aren't uh, a limiting factor now because you can find a lot of the shit online. Like, to be perfectly fair, you know? So, Raph calls me out and I'm pissed, right? And I'm not at first for just, you know being called out in the middle of a podcast but it wasn't until like two days later and yes i'm petty but two days later i realized that we're just playing our roles like that's exactly why i brought somebody like raf on is because i needed that person who was strong into the metal community who would back up the newcomer right as i've said i've had very limited access to metal and it's been raf's life for literally the last 20 years because he's been running a metal label and he's been a fan since that moment and has absorbed literally everything up until that point so he's well versed in this world that i've i've literally dabbled in right so it was epiphanous, you know? We can't expect a newcomer, which that's who we're trying to appease to, but we can't expect a newcomer to know everything because they don't know what they should know, you know? Uh, we have, unfortunately, very few resources online for the newcomer coming into metal. Uh, you have Wikipedia, which you largely should not rest, hang your whole hat on because it's driven by other people's opinions. Uh, and then you have the Metal Archives, which, yes, it's a great database and it tells you what exists. It doesn't tell you what you should listen to or what you should know about going into it. You're like, kind of just left there, uh, not really knowing uh, where to start and how other bands come to be uh, based on what has preceded them. Uh, so, so that's what the Almanac seeks to do is just be some sort of entry-level thing that you can kind of listen to and be like, oh shit, we started with these couple bands, now we're going to move on to these bands, we understand why we're moving to these bands. There's not supposed to be a lot of uh, opinions as far as like, oh, I think this album's good or this album's bad. We're just trying to tell you what's out there, what you should be. Uh, it's an the ultimate oxymoron, right? I don't want to tell you what to listen to, but we want to give you an idea of what you what you should at least be familiar with if you're going forward in the heavy metal genre. And and that statement alone I think is very oxymoronic <laughs> because or hypocritical, I guess would be the right term, I guess. Uh but yeah, that's what we're going for. It's yeah, uh you know, Raph and I can tell you that's a great album by our standards or a bad album by our standards, but ultimately you should be listening to this because it has a place in heavy metal history and a lot of bands draw from it, yada yada, such and such. So, again, that's the whole point of this podcast. Uh, it's to give a newcomer perspective uh, to the genre. It's for me, who dabbles here and there, it's for my brother who has great roots or had great roots and then he fell off and now he's coming back to the genre to to get a closer bond to his brother you know um and it's also for you know the guys who have held on to or has grabbed hold of heavy metal and have held on their whole entire lives like those are the people that i salute like if you 
If you listened to heavy metal hardcore from the 80s and held on for 40 fucking years plus, those are the guys that we envy, right? Those are the guys that that we want to appeal to as well. We want to bring more people into that family, bring more appreciation into the art, and and let them know where it's all stemmed from. And, uh, and so they can develop that appreciation and, and talk to guys like you who have literally held up, uh, the genre for 40 fucking years, you know, that's a huge achievement. And, uh, so the, this podcast is very much a nod to those guys as well, because without you guys, uh, people like me who, who come back after 20 years of not really listening to it or whatever, um, have something to come back to. Uh, it's a thing that really brings us joy and we want to, uh, revisit that or enjoy that again, or I don't know how to word that, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a love letter to literally all three all all three types of people the people who have been in from the beginning the people who are getting in right now and the people who are just kind of been off and on throughout the whole thing and just have not had the availability to to do that kind of thing you know uh so it's this epiphany that leads me into today right uh i really do want to go back to the 70s because i think that's where it all started um and technically, you know, we're going to get into this. It actually started probably in 1968, 1969, something like that. Uh, but we need to go back to the roots. And I don't want to do that alone. I do want to save 1974 Raph. I believe we owe that to him. He is our co-host. Fuck him for being off today. But, you know, we'll work around it. So without a raff, I looked into, uh, I looked to the only other credible source I know, and that's Wikipedia. And three bands were formed in 1968 that pretty much pioneered the sound of heavy metal. And that's, uh, Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin, and Black Sabbath, right? And you guys are going to raise your pitchforks and say, oh, fucking Deep Purple weren't metal until 1970 and people could argue that they were never metal, you know? Or same thing with Led Zeppelin, right? Led Zeppelin has very much a blues sound, but there is that distorted uh, guitar sound and the uh, and the vocals and shit that, that kind of leads you down that road. Uh, but people would argue that they're not quite heavy metal either. And in fact, if you're following the metal archives, Led Zeppelin are nowhere near that. They're not even mentioned in there, so I have to do all that research uh, aside. But you're not doing something right if you're not getting bitched about or argued with. So, um, yeah, I'm going to say that we need to talk about Led Zeppelin, even though the archives uh, don't have them in there. And, uh, you know, Black Sabbath don't have their first album until 1970. So we're left with two Deep Purple albums in 1968. Uh, there are two Led Zeppelin albums in 1969. There's also a Deep Purple album in 1969. I figured that's the best thing to talk about because leading into 1970, the first album that we open up with is Black Sabbath. And I think it's poetic that... <laughs> That the ninth album of Black Sabbath led us to go back to the 60s, 
uh, in seventies, and now it's the uh, the first album that we go back to is Black Sabbath from nineteen seventy, uh, the self titled release. So, uh, but we're not going to cover that today. We're going to cover Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin. They both have a couple albums that we really need to talk about before we get into the seventies. And this is one of those things where, like, so I'm a big fan of ministry uh in the industrial age and stuff like that but they started out as a um it was like a synth uh what do you call that uh not synthesizer band but like it was just very new wave uh yeah a new wave synthy band basically and uh so deep purple is very much around the same vein they're not synth obviously they're psychedelic rock uh 60s rock and you would i would liken them to like a dorsey uh beatles type thing uh and i think maybe 70 1970 probably urged them to go into a different direction or could have been label or something but they were definitely being lost among the fold and when you're a band that early in the era you probably just want to set yourself apart, um, and you'll notice we'll get into the band, uh, into the albums, but there's a lot of covers, and those covers do, you know, they entail Beatles covers and Hendrix covers and shit like that. So, like I said, Deep Purple releases two psychedelic rock albums in 1968. The first being Shades of Deep Purple. So Shades of Deep Purple's nine tracks, 43 minutes, 52 seconds long. And we open with a decent enough instrumental. It's not bad at all, but the money track, I think, comes in uh, on track two. It's Hush. Um, it's a cover of Billy Joe Royal's Hush. And I would argue that's probably the most standout track on the album. Uh, but from there, we have an original track of One More Rainy Day, which isn't terrible. And then they have another instrumental that feels like a it was written to precede a Beatles cover. Does that make sense? So Deep Purple writes this instrumental to precede their cover of a Beatles song called I'm So Glad. Or it's not Beatles. I don't think it's Beatles, but there's a cover of I'm So Glad on the album, and they write the instrumental previous to that. Then you have Mandrake Root, which sounds a lot like Jimi Hendrix's uh, Foxy Lady. If you listen to the sounds of that, uh, you can definitely see the inspiration of that. Uh, okay, and then you have a Beatles cover, uh, and then another original song, and then finally a cover of Hey Joe, which... I found it weird that when they cover Hey Joe, it's credited to the leaves and not Jimi Hendrix, because I'm only, uh, I guess that's a very presumptuous thing to say, but I'm only familiar with the Jimi Hendrix uh, version of Hey Joe. So it's weird to me. I didn't even know about the leaves. So it's kind of cool that they reference no this is a cover to the leaves but ultimately i uh i gave it three pentacles which is going to be my grading uh scale and it's very mathematical i'll tell you straight up all i do is i divide i uh i take the number of tracks that there is number of tracks that i like divide the two out there's a percentage right there the closest thing that it is that's how many pentacles we get. So if we're 70%, I'm probably talking about three pentacles right there, which is a solid album, right? And if I'm 80%, that's four pentacles. That's a very, that's a great album. And then 
I don't know if we'll ever get there, but if 100% ever happens, we're looking at Five Pentacles, and that's a perfect album, right? Uh, so Deep Purple, for being psychedelic rock, uh, I gave it three pentacles, but I would caution you that this isn't metal at all. Um, there's definitely a late 60s rock sound to it, very much. I, again, I go back to Doors. So you need to think that when you go into the album. So when I say, hey, this is a three pentacles album, I'm not saying it's that metal. It's not a solid metal album. It's a solid album, uh, but it is very much late 60s psychedelic rock. So just keep that in mind when you're listening to it. Um, and honestly, if I were to make a, a playlist today, Gun to the Head, Hush is probably going on there. I'm not sure if there's another album that's, or, or another song on the album that stands out to where it would be featured on a playlist. I really think Hush is the breakout song here. And sometimes you have that. Sometimes you have a band that just covers a song so well, and then you find out that later on they, they can, make an album that carries themselves that they don't have to rely on covers so much so i'm not mad about that i'm just saying in this instance deep purple hush is probably their standout song in 1968 well the early part of 68 so deep purple also released another album uh in 68 called the book of Talison. it is seven tracks long or seven tracks 43 minutes 40 seconds long uh we Open up with Listen, Lurd, Read On, and it's almost a spoken word track, if that makes sense. Like, the, the, the verses going into it is very much spoken word, and then the chorus is, like, that's their little singing part in the, uh, throughout the song. Uh, and then from there, we have a serviceable instrumental in Hard Road, or it's called Ring That Neck. I've seen both versions. Uh, the album available on Spotify is called Ring That Neck, but you can find a version of Hard Road. It's the same fucking song. Uh, there's a cover of Neil Diamond's uh, Kentucky Woman. That's followed by a cover of Beatles Exposition and We Can Work It Out. So it's like a twofer right there, like a melody. Uh, side B brings us Shield Anthem and then a cover of River Deep Mountain High by Ike and Tina Turner, which is a weird cover to pull for. Not a bad cover at all, but definitely not my favorite. This album doesn't quit uh, quite sit well with me. It's not as good as the first one, I don't think. I only gave it two pentacles. Uh, and again, I would probably plant my flag in the opening track uh, just because it's the closest thing to a title track. And I do like the, the spoken word into a chorus and the reference to the Book of Taliesin and stuff like that. So it's a really good album. Uh, no, I'm sorry. That's a really good track. I think the rest of the album is pretty much serviceable um, as far as psychedelic rock. And not really what we're here for. We're here for the metal, right? Uh, but this is very much the precursor to that. So after the Book of Taliesin, we go to 1969 with probably my gateway drug into the genre. Uh, Led Zeppelin releases their first album. It's nine tracks, 44 minutes, 45 seconds long. And Zeppelin is pretty much decidedly blues-based. Uh, and that's apparent, especially in You Shook Me uh, and I Can't Quit You, Baby. Um... 
I know I mentioned previously that Plant doesn't really have a great voice, and I stand by that. But what he does have is charisma. Like, he brings you right in there, uh, in, into the song, and he doesn't have to have a... Like, when I say not have a great voice, I'm talking about, like, it's not... I can't even say it's not pleasing to the ear. What I'm saying is it's like, if you had a line of singers, Robert Plant is not, not the most pleasant voice. But what he does draw, right, the power that he has and stuff like that, that that's a great sound. It's a great sound. And I love that it's not uh, not coming from a great voice, you know? Uh, as somebody who has a podcast, right? I don't have the most pleasing... I don't have a radio voice. There's no way I do. But if I'm entertaining enough to enough people, I'm still going to be successful. And it's very much the Robert Plant way, right? I don't have the voice that people would consider the greatest singing voice, but I'm leading the most popular band of the late uh, late 60s, early 70s. I must be doing something right. That's what I'm talking about. That is raw energy that you cannot quantify. You cannot quantify the quality of Robert Plant's voice because it's charisma. It's, it's fucking charisma. He rolled a natural 20 on fucking... <laughs> I hate to bring D&D into this shit. Dude rolls a natural 20 on a fucking song. You have to listen to it. That's what I'm talking about. It's not somebody who's class, uh, who, who just has a pleasing voice. It's just that raw energy, uh, that just makes this album so fucking good or makes him such a great frontman for Led Zeppelin. So I, jo- I jokingly refer to Zeppelin as ear sex, but basically my wife, uh, when, whenever they come in on the radio or on the Spotify, there she calls him ear sex because i've said robert plant is literally having sex with your ear that's what he's doing just raw dirty sex right to your ear um and it's so good and you should allow it to happen because it's 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 life-changing uh and and i'm very biased about my opinion about led zeppelin but i can't i don't believe they can do any wrong and I'm I'm grateful that I'm going to make an executive decision and talk about Led Zeppelin on a metal podcast because they're literally the greatest band, greatest rock band. Uh, and and I'll say the rock, they're not even metal. I mean, I would never classify them as metal, but they're so pivotal and uh, and and uh, influential to most metal bands. They need to be mentioned. And uh, there it is. So I, I'm yammering. <laughs> <laughs> the album's first and only misstep to me is 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 Black Mountain Side, and it's only because I'm spending two two minutes wondering where the fuck Robert Plant went. Um, the, this is the most solid album I would say that Zeppelin has put out, and that's hard to say, knowing full well how much I put in the Zeppelin camp that. I th- I think it peaks at number one, uh, and then we slowly get worse from there, which sucks. But it's such a great sound. It's something you should definitely cherish. Everything before, I believe, Houses of the Holy, and God will get there. But everything should be cherished up until that point, and then there's a couple songs before or you know a couple songs after that that maybe we should probably pay attention to but oh my god oh my god um i thank god wikipedia said led zeppelin 
had some had some influence on heavy metal because now I get an opportunity to talk about them because I love them so much. If I absolutely had to pick a song to put on a playlist, it'd probably be Days and Confused. That is a really good song. It's I think it's number four in there. Uh, you know, been Days and Confused for so long, it's not true. One Little Woman Never Bargained for You. Lots of people talking. Few of them know. Soul of a Woman created below and then fucking amazing riff just enters your ear at that point four pentacles i gave it uh literally one song that i typically skip and i talked about that block black mountainside just goes away but the rest of the album fucking perfect dude fucking perfect eight tracks out of nine just fucking perfect so um horribly biased though and then that's that's the dangers of of running the almanac there is that i'm going to talk about a led zeppelin album and tell you it's the best album the best metal album is a 1969 blues album what (laughs) uh so deep purple comes back for another album with their self-titled in 1969 and i would think this would be an opportunity to rewrite kind of what they're doing it is it does straddle the line of like psychedelic rock and what they're going for in 1970 which is their harder sound um but we're not quite there yet. It's eight tracks long, 44 minutes, 32 seconds. Uh, I did give the album three pentacles, and it's mostly for my distaste of instrumentals and long-ass songs. So there's one 12-minute song here that just takes for fucking ever to going. There's an instrumental in there, uh, which basically, for me, makes Lelena, Lahaina. I don't know how everybody pronounces it. That's probably the weak track for me, and it's a fucking cover, so it really doesn't matter anyways. Um, But Blind and The Painter are probably my favorite tracks on the album, and it would literally be a coin toss on each... on. Every day, I would probably just have to toss a coin to my Witcher, O'Valley of Plenty, and figure out which one I would probably pick to put on a playlist that day uh maybe today it's the painter maybe tomorrow it's blind um if i'm doing a late 60s early 70s playlist i think we just work both tracks onto the playlist to be honest to get up to 50 songs i just spread them out long enough to where you don't realize that it's multiple deep purple songs but you know when we go through the 70s you're probably going to see a lot of deep purple uh and then i would probably wrap up with or we're going to have to wrap up because it's the last album that was released in 1960 69 nice uh was led zeppelin's second album nine tracks 41 minutes 38 seconds uh long and dude this (sighs) the end falls right the fuck off and i hate saying that but when i say the end i'm talking about the absolute end probably the last two tracks of the album are just they're not doing it for me you know uh, but it's still solid at three pentacles, but I'm out pretty much at ramble on. And like I said, this is an album where like the difference between three and four pentacles is probably like one or two songs, if that makes sense. Uh, because we would need a 100, we would need nine perfect songs for this to get five pentacles. Uh, if you're missing one song, you're now at four pentacles. And because of how math works, uh, if two songs are bad, now you're at three pentacles, um, which sucks. Uh, but I'm, I'm typically out after Ramble On. I think Ramble On should have been the ender and you just get rid of the fucking Moby Dick and get rid of, uh, what the fuck is the last song? Yep. Well, you know this. 
Bring It On Home, I think it is. It's, so Bring It On Home is not a terrible song. It's just not like, I don't know. It's so, the roller coaster that you ride prior to Moby Dick, I would, I would imagine is just so good that when you get to Moby Dick and then you start, uh, bring it on home, it's, it's kind of a crawl, I guess. Um, but you get a solid opener with Whole Lot of Love, which is probably the most recognized song on this album. You get a hard tonal shift, what is and what should never be. And then it picks up with the Lemon song. Uh, and then it slows you right back down with Thank You, and then you're just peeking all the way. Just three fucking tracks that are fucking perfect, uh, ending with Ramble On. Ramble On! <laughs> not going to do that ever again on, on, on people. Uh, but yeah, just so good. But let, seriously, if, if, um, and, and again, Led Zeppelin is probably my rush where the, I know they're more blues and classic rock and probably not metal, but, but they are definitely the band that I would talk about most. Um, when it comes to a gateway drug of getting me into heavy metal, uh, and the two albums that we got to hear in 1969. And not, and honestly, like, so I covered Deep Purple in 1968 because Deep Purple does make a showing in 1970 and we're going to start talking about them. So when we talk about 1968 Deep Purple, we're just acknowledging the psychedelic rock that happened prior to the more heavy metal influence that we got from Deep Purple in 1970 moving forward. 1969 would probably be the first year, the first real year of pre-heavy metal, heavy metal that we listened to. And that's, that's what I'm talking about too. The two Led Zeppelin albums and then the Deep Purple album that literally just rides that line, uh, moving forward. Next week, uh, and this is going to be a shorter episode than typically, but next week, uh, we'll have Raph back and we're going to talk about 1970. We're going to open up with Black Sabbath, which I think is very poetic considering that we decided to turn back time because of Black Sabbath. So it's only fitting that we open with a Black Sabbath album. But 1970, we're going to talk about the first five albums of that. I'm hoping we're going to get like a year or two per week. Um, to get through the 70s fairly quickly. I don't think there's much more than that that gets released. Uh, and then we'll pick it right back up in 1980, uh, coming off of April, which is going to be weird. It's very Tarantino. So, uh, if I can pull back the curtain a little bit, we did the first two episodes of 19, we did the intro episode, we did two episodes of 1980. I figure we do probably the rest of the, the rest of the season will be 1970, uh, the 70s, sorry, 60s and 70s. And then moving into season two, we will pick up with 1980 and just maybe rehash that. Just say what we covered the first 10 albums of 1980 very quickly in one episode. And then the rest of 1980 would be the second season. And it's only because of Ronnie James Dio taking the helm in 1980 that we're dealing with this. So I hope you stay with us for this journey. I'm looking forward to it. If you're new to the genre, please God stick forward to this because the 70s is surprising. If you... If you listen to 1980's Heaven and Hell album uh, with Black Sabbath and you're wondering, wow, that's got to be a far cry from what we get, I'm telling you stick with the 70s because there are sounds in the 70s that will blow your fucking mind. 
considering what we're getting in the 80s. Um, we move far faster than what you think we do in the 70s. It progresses very fast. Uh, and it starts with Black Sabbath, uh, they're self-titled in that pre-Doom metal situation, and then it just gets better from there. Seriously, it's it's all uphill from here. So, or that sounds bad. Uphill is not good. It's all down. What is the best way to say that? If you say it's all uphill, that sounds like it's a struggle. And if you say it's all downhill, it means it's going down. But <laughs> it's all better from 1970. Seriously, it all just gets better. So, um, with that being said, I apologize for the shorter episode, but I am running solo. These would be more like YouTube videos. And there's a there's an idea in my head about. Maybe I should just do Will from Headbangers Almanac album reviews. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, it's an idea. But I'm going to edit the sound. You'll get a nice 30-minute episode uh, to carry you into next week when we talk to Raph. So I uh, hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to say have fun. Maybe that's my end thing. Uh, we talked about saying cheers, but I don't really have anybody to cheers to. But uh, have fun, guys, and uh, talk to you next week. Seriously.